Welcome to Sparks of History, where world history and Jewish history meet. We are pleased to, pleased to have with us today Professor Robert Slayton. Professor Slayton is Professor Henry Salvatore Professorship in American Values and Traditions at Wilkinson College of Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences in the Department of History at Chapman University. He is the author of numerous books, including Back of the Yards, New Homeless and Old, Beauty in the City, Arms of Destruction. And today we will be discussing Professor Slayton's uh, highly readable uh, book, Statesman, The Rise and Redemption of Al Smith. Uh, this can be purchased, as I did, very easily on Amazon. Comes right to your home, um, Amazon, to, to purchase the Empire State Statesman. And I must say that um, you will enjoy this, this book very much. And what I found, uh, not only was it very readable, but I came, uh, after I read the book, to really like Al Smith. Uh, you really felt that this was a person you wouldn't mind just sitting around with and getting, getting to know and sharing maybe not a coffee, but maybe something a little stronger. And I think we'll, we'll get to that as well during the conversation. So just to start off, um, a little bit about your background and how you became interested in Al Smith. Well, I, I'm very much a New Yorker. Uh, I'm born and raised in the Bronx, uh, Central Bronx, the Cretona Park area. Um, and, and it's still my identity. Um, I, I lived in Chicago for 12 years. I've been in, California, in Orange County in California for three decades. And I'm still a New Yorker. Uh, I'm still a Bronxite, to be really honest. Um, Al Smith was the epitome of New York and politics, and that's what drew me to him. I, and there really wasn't, um, at, at the time I started work on this, there really wasn't a strong biography. So uh, it, there was a gap in the literature, but it was somebody who I'd always wanted to be involved with um, because he was so much the personification of, of my life in a lot of ways. So that's what drew me to him. And, and I must say, you said that he, he was a likable guy. I worked on this book for 11 years. And when you do that, one of the problems with when you run a biography of many historical figures is they have a moment in the sun and they're really not that interesting, you know, for the rest of their life. And, you know, uh, you've got a president who lived a ho-hum life, and then, you know, he's president, and after that, he goes back to being a slob. Um, I loved every minute of working on Al. I mean, I plunged into some pretty obscure aspects of his life, and I loved doing it. I, I loved everything there was about Al. It was truly a labor of love. Okay, wonderful. So just a, a little bit about Al Smith's background, his upbringing, um, and how that upbringing impacted on his personality. Um, he he grew up on the Lower East Side of New York, not the Jewish section, really by the docks. Um, if you want to get a sense of where he grew up, um, where he's actually born is right under the shadow of the New York caisson of the uh, the New York archway of the uh, Brooklyn Bridge. That, that's where he was born. He grew up. Uh, the area closest to it is the South Street Seaport. 
Um, he worked in the South Street Seaport. His personality, I think if anything, was formed by his mother in the sense he was always a happy child and he would carry this through to his politics. He, um, he really was very positive. He thought America was a great place. Um, and, and if you look at the later part of his life, he loses horribly in 1928. We'll get to that later. And he becomes very bitter um, because he didn't expect that. He really didn't. Um, he grew up in a very um, positive framework, very, very positive. And I think, you know, his father died when he was young. He didn't know much about him. And his mother brought him up. And Al was always just a happy child. He was always just a positive-looking fellow. And, and what was New York like then um, in that Lower East Side under the Brooklyn Bridge? What kind of a New York are we talking about at that time? It, it was poor and it was working class. Um, it was mixed ethnicity, predominantly Irish, fair amount of German. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, it was very working class. These were people, a lot of people worked on the docks. His father, for example, was a teamster, which in the old days really meant, well, he hauled uh, goods from the docks. Um, if you came in on a liner and you had suitcases, you hired a teamster, which is a guy with a cart and a team of horses. And it was very, very hard work. That's why he died young. Um, as I say, th this was really, really very, very hard work for a lot of these people. It was not an affluent community in any way, shape, or form. It was reasonably diverse, as all New York neighborhoods are sooner or later. Right. Okay. And, and so how did Smith get into politics, and what, what type of a politician was he? Well, first of all, you have to realize that Tammany Hall was one of the, if you ask me what the two major institutions were in his neighborhood, I would say it was the Catholic Church and Tammany Hall. Um, Tammany um, was everywhere. Um, it also took care of the people. Um, the, the story of pol urban political machines is a very complex one. They were incredibly corrupt. I mean, there's no question. They were stealing the city blind. They were rigging elections. They also were the only damn thing taking care of people. Um, charity services either didn't exist. There was no state charity, uh, you know, funding for relief. Um, and, and if they did, they were demeaning. Um, you come in and say, you know, my sister got pregnant. We need to help her out. And there'd be this charity lady from uptown in fine silks going, yes, we know about you people. Sure, we'll give you a handout. Yeah, go to hell, lady. Um, there's a line by, uh, uh, this is by a Boston Lord Boston. He said, there's got to be a bloke in every ward who anybody can come to get help. Help you understand. Not law or justice, but help. Okay. Oh, and that's what these guys did. They helped the poor. If you were out of work, they helped you find a job. If your kid was in trouble for throwing a rock at something, they, they sent a lawyer down to work with them. Um, if you needed coal, they gave you coal. If you were hungry, they, yeah, the old men would show up at, uh, actually the work with the, um, local assembly district leader, would show up if there was a fire. He'd be the first one there after the fire engines. And, and, and he'd, he'd make sure that these people burned out, that they had a place to stay, that they had food, they had clothes on their back. 
Um, they were a remarkable social service network. And yeah, they were still in City Blind. They were also a remarkable social service network. It, was, um, it, it is a complex story. Um, so, so they had support from the people. The people supported them. The people looked to, to, to them as 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 a... as, well as leaders. And the best way I can tell you the support for them is the, the voting totals were overwhelming. Were just overwhelming. Um, there's a joke that um, there's one of these uh, small districts, and it comes in something like you know 582 uh, for the Tammany candidate, two for the others. And um, somebody says to the candidate, wow, that, that's remarkable. He says, yeah, it must be that nasty Mrs. Schultz in the building up the block. She's the only one to vote against me. Um, so, yeah, and, uh, they were very, very popular. And people voted for them out of that loyalty. Smith started out. Smith was an outgoing boy. Um, so he started the, the term that he, they used then, and he used all his life was taking a contract. Um, here, son, deliver this. Okay, that's taking a contract. That's a solemn oath. You take a contract, you do it. Um, you, you, if it, it's more than you thought it was, you, it's your work. I mean, it, it's your honor. You don't ever renege on a contract. You take a contract. And he started out by doing all things, taking a contract. Well, he was a performer. He acted in church plays as a young man. Um, and he was an orator. He has a great voice. He could tell a story. Um, so he rose up the ranks. And sooner or later, they appointed him to small offices. Eventually, they sent him to Albany as a, a, an assemblyman, which, by the way, sounds good, but it's the lowest of the low. And he decides, and, and it's not really clear. I mean, nobody knows more about Smith than I and a couple other people do. And, and he decides, I mean, an assemblyman, is, particularly a assemblyman, is supposed to stand when he's told to stand, vote as he's told to vote, then sit down. And he decides that he's going to be somebody. He's going to be somebody. He goes and he reads everything. Nobody reads these bills. Yeah, how, did, how should I vote? I vote this way. He reads every bill. And he reads the background. He says, if this is, you know, Bill 654-3, which is an amendment to Bill 961-14, he reads the other one all the way. He's up till 3 in the morning, going through the law books. Nobody else does it. He becomes, um, people who are patrician lawyers say, nobody knows more about the workings of the state assembly than Al Smith. Um, he becomes master of the legislature as an assemblyman, just a remarkable feat of self-education and determination. Um, he just goes out and he does it. And, and there's no easy answer for one. Um, but he decides he's going to be somebody. He decides, and he does, he does become somebody. And, and he jumps, he jumps from the assembly to the, to the governor's mansion. He, he, he said that it, it, it was a quick move. It was like a, Mediocre. No, it, no, it wasn't that or quick. He had, a number of, he had a number of steps in between. He goes on to become one of the truly great governors of New York State. Um, he gets elected four times. Um, up until I, you know, up until the Cuomo's, um, which is a little recent for me as a historian. Um, you know, only him and Nelson Rockefeller that that accolade of being elected four times. He was a remarkable governor. Uh, he was a national leader as as the governor. This is when the Empire State really was the Empire State, when that really meant something. 
Um, what made Al uh, one of the great governors of New York was he was a, a remarkable combination of, of several things. Um, first of all, something that, that nobody really does, he was both a social reformer and an administrative reformer. Um, he definitely sponsored parks and hospitals, you know, all the thing housing, all the things social reformers do. And social reformers are generally not good at being accountants, let's put it that way, okay? And he was. He totally, he had an abhorrence of chaos, um, and he just decided he's going to reform the the, uh, the state. Can I read a little bit from one? Yeah, absolutely. Right? No, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, got two passages. When he, came, when he came in, there was no cabinet system. Um, there were 189 departments just who didn't report to anybody, uh, who were duplicitous. Um, he says, he wrote, um, there was, for example, the Department of Military and Naval Affairs, a rather unusual organization, some might say, for state government, but its main response was handling local Delicious. Okay, but it did not have ever any control over or anything to do with the Monument Commission of Miles Irish Brigade, the Adjutant General's Office, the Armory Commission, the New York State Monuments Commission, state expenditures for veterans of the Civil War and of the Spanish-American War. That's two separate bodies, of course. Um, and most sadly of all, um, the Department of Military and Naval Affairs had no authority over the naval militia, notwithstanding its title, uh, which is sort of a problem. Um, there, there was enormous overlap, and nobody knew where the money was going. And he fought the legislature, and he reformed it into a series of 12 cabinet positions that ran the government. Uh, he codified it. It was a remarkable achievement. He really made the modern New York state government. And there's not many people who can do both of those. Um, it, 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 really, it, really, it, it really does sound like, you know, normally, as, as, as you know, as you're saying, you, you, you associate someone who has that outgoing personality, and then it's just like he delegates everything and he doesn't want to get involved in the details. It sounds like he was able to combine that personality with this administrative genius and talent. Yeah, he was master of detail. He was absolute master of detail. He knew more about the state government than anybody else. Um, and, and usually people who are social reformers have the good of the people in mind do not want to get involved with the accounting side. And he did both. Um, I, I want to point out one other thing about him. He was a, a, a very dynamic speaker. Um, he, now, this is in an age before even radio. It was all personal. He would get up and command the stage. He was an actor, and he'd go back and forth. He'd say, I'm looking for where they're hiding things. And he'd, you know, make like he was pulling back, kneeling down, pulling back the curtain. And he was just charming. And the other thing that is so lost today is he had a fabulous sense of humor. He had a, just, and not in federal, he was in private too. But in, um, I'll tell you two examples. Um, it, but, but publicly in politics, is story. Um, th this is when he's in assemblyman. Um, so they're debating the first workman's compensation bill in the state's history. Um, so a Republican, get, he's a Democrat, of course. Mm -hmm. A Republican get, from upstate gets up 
and says, I've got a question. I've got a question. Oh, and he turns to Smith. He says, Mr. Tammany leader, he always, any Democrat was automatically a Tammany leader. Okay. That's his little slur. Mr. Tammany leader, what good is the Workmen's Compensation Act to the 350,000 men out of work? And this is nasty. This is a red herring. Because whatever the merits or demerits of workmen's compensation is, it doesn't affect anybody that's out of work who doesn't have a job. So, so this is a cheap shot. Al didn't hesitate. Didn't, no problem. He said, here's what he replied to, to that question. How does, what does this do for the people at work? He says, you know, I was walking down Park Row one night, and a man came up and hit me on the shoulder and said, hello, Al, which would you rather be? A hammock full of white doorknobs, a cellar full of stepladders, or a piece of dry ice. I said, I'd rather be a fish, because no matter how thick plate glass is, you can always break it with a hammer. Well, his opponent, the spring, you know, jumps up. The, the indications are he was angry. Um, uh, it would have been a miracle if he wasn't thoroughly confused. Uh, he says, I don't get the point of the gentleman's remark. Who does? Smith looked at the guy and calmly said, there is just as much point to my answer as there is to your question. Let's move on. Just fabulous. Um, as an old man, he loved animals. He just, what are quirky things? Why did a guy who grew up in tenements, you know, love animals? He was near the docks. And sailors, when they would come in, you know, when you got on a long ocean voyage, you pick up, a, you know, an animal, a monkey, a dog, you know, whatever to keep you company. But, you know, in port, you got no use for it. So he would give it to the kids. So he, Smith actually had, when he got a house in the neighborhood always, um, he actually had a menagerie behind him. Um, he always, so as a, as a retired man, much later in life, he lived on Fifth Avenue and he was made a night superintendent of the Central Park Zoo when he had keys. And he loved going over there. Um, I interviewed his grandkids, and they say, you'd see him going over in the middle of the night or go over with us. And he would work with the animals, and he'd play with you. He just loved it. So uh, this is a real New York line. you got to understand this. Um, The the great opponent reformer of of New York morality is, of course, LaGuardia, um, who, um, you know, was the, was clean and the opponent of the political machines. So um, they had a tiger in the zoo. And tiger, of course, is the symbol of Tammany Hall. Um, So um, Al decided, of course, to name what else? Tammany. So um, when when he would take groups on a tour, he, he would come up to the, the tiger, Tammany, the actual tiger. He'd look and he'd go, LaGuardia. And the tiger would go, Rrr. nobody knew if he had just trained him to do it or he was actually throwing a little crab apple in or something. But it was just a fabulous piece of political theater. Um, he, he, was, he was an interesting guy, although he did get bitter later in life after his horrible illness.